Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 72 of the Flying Free Podcast. This is Natalie Hoffman, your host, and today it's just you and me, baby. We had an expert workshop, that, or not expert workshop, but an expert was going to come in and do an interview with me, and he canceled at the last minute. <gasps> so I decided, what should I do? I couldn't find anybody else at the last second like that, so I just decided to, well, I'm going to be the expert today. And I thought it might be kind of fun just to hang out and shoot the breeze with you and talk about whatever. Actually, no, we're not just going to talk about whatever. I have some ideas. Um, I, I want to share with you some of the things, the huge paradigm shifts that I had to go through when I was getting free of my destructive relationship. Really, actually, not just my destructive marriage, but also all the destructive relationships I had in my life. Because that's one of the things um, that a lot of women realize. They look around, they survey the landscape of their lives, and they realize, oh my word, I've got a lot of dysfunctional people in my life. And, um, And you know what? I mean, if we're honest, we also end up surviving in ways that are kind of dysfunctional too. Okay, we don't want to be that way. It's not, it completely goes against our deep values that we have, our core values inside of ourselves. And it's one of the reasons why it's so uncomfortable and so disconcerting to live in relationships and have relationships with people that are not fully functioning in, from an emo, a place of emotional adulthood. Um, and because, because then we're not really fully functioning from a place of emotional adulthood either when we're in relationships like that. And, um, and so one of our challenges in getting out is realizing, wow, what, what are the ways that, what are the patterns that I'm seeing, not just in my marriage relationship, but in a lot of my other relationships as well. And as we all know, we can't really change anybody else. And we really do need to accept people just the way they are. A lot of times we try to change them so that we'll be happy and we'll be able to maintain our relationships with them. And that's also not fun- that's also not healthy. It's dysfunctional for us to try to change other people. It's just as dysfunctional for us to do that as it is for them to try to change us and make us into you know, whatever they want us to be. And so we want to get out of that cycle and we want to move into emotional adulthood. And that means acknowledging and taking responsibility for ourselves and letting go of everybody else. Okay, so here are some of the big paradigm shifts that I had to experience during my whole process, which took several years. You guys, this was not, this is not, generally speaking, this is not an overnight experience where one day a woman wakes up and goes, oh my word, and she knows all the things and she knows exactly what to do to get out. It's a long, drawn out, extremely painful process of self-awakening 
Um, awakening to your environment, awakening to the ways that you're thinking about things, awakening to your entire belief system, which is usually pretty screwed up by that time. And um, so anyway, I was thinking that that's actually the first paradigm shift I think that I had to um, come to realize is that I was an adult and I wasn't a child. But that even though I was an adult, I was still living as though I was an emotional child. I realized that I actually could make my own decisions and I didn't need the validation or permission of anybody else. I didn't need the permission of my um, parents. I didn't need the permission of my husband. I didn't need my small group leader's permission or the women at church, the the ladies, you know, the ladies, the leadership of the ladies committee at church, I didn't need their permission. I didn't need my pastor's permission or the elder's permission. I, I look back on my life back then and I think, wow, I was completely and totally living for, for the opinions of everybody else. I could not make my own decisions. Um, and so that's a really debilitating place to be. And it's completely abdicating our responsibility as adults when we live like that. And sadly, instead of uh, the people around us, you know, encouraging us to come into that adulthood, they actually encourage us to stay as emotional children. And we just can't do that. And we don't want our, our children to grow up and be emotional children, do we? we no. We, if they grow up and they are in their early 20s and they're like, yeah, I'm out of here. I'm going to go and get my own apartment. I'm going to go live my own life. We should be happy and proud of them that they're doing that. That's what we want. We want them to be independent adults. So, um, the second big paradigm shift came to me shortly after I read the book called The Verbally Abusive Relationship by Patricia Evans. And that book made me, well, she lays out in that book all the way, it's like, at first when I read the title, I was like, oh, I'm not in a verbally abusive relationship. I mean, my husband does not swear. In fact, I was the one who was swearing by that time. And my husband wasn't. He didn't swear. He didn't, you know, he didn't call me names. He didn't, he didn't cuss me out. He didn't, um, he didn't do those kinds of verbal tactics. But I found out when I read that book that there are so many more verbal tactics in a verbally abusive relationship than I ever dreamed. I also discovered that most of them I was living with. I was living with most of them. And, and that's when I realized I, oh my word, I really am in a verbally abusive, emotionally abusive marriage. And there's nothing I can do to stop it. it has, it's been the same since the very beginning, since before we were married. And it's not going to stop because, why is it not going to stop? Because that's who I'm married to. And he doesn't have to change. He doesn't have to. He is who he is and he gets to be, he gets to make his own choices. He is also a big boy and he gets to decide how he wants to show up in this relationship. And so um, anyway, once I realized that I was able to see the patterns more clearly and it became less and less confusing for me. 
Now, I did go from being confused to being mad, which is another, which is a, one of the phases that you go through. And I think a lot of women get really, uh, they get disturbed by that because they're, they're not really, generally speaking, the kind of person who wants to be angry all the time or who likes to feel anger or who is an angry person, contrary to what your, <laughs> what your religious, the people in your, in your religious world might want to say as soon as you stand up and say, hey, this is not quite right. They'll say, oh my goodness, you're so angry and you're so bitter. Well, yeah, I, I, I had to get to the place where I was able to say, yeah, I really am angry. Bitter, I don't know, but angry for sure. For sure I'm angry. And I think that when you go through something like this, if you're not angry, I would say, if you're not angry, you probably don't have a pulse. So it's normal to be angry and it's okay to be angry and it's even actually healthy to be angry about this kind of thing. So, um, and also the, the really great thing about anger is that it can give you the energy and the motivation that you need to make some changes in your life. When we live in denial and we just kind of push everything down, we don't make the changes that we need to make. When we rise up and say, this is not right and I will not do this and put up with this anymore, now we've got the impetus to change. And that's really a good thing. So the third paradigm shift that I experienced was shortly after I realized that I had really spent my entire life throwing someone under the bus in every relationship I'd ever been in. And that person was me. I really wasn't very nice to myself. I just started this group called Flying Higher. I have had the Flying Free group now for three years. But um, a lot of those women have been with me for a long, long time. And I wanted, I was ready to, I've done a lot of my own healing during that time. I've done a lot of changing. People have even told me, Natalie, you've changed a lot just since you started Flying Free. And thank goodness, I hope that five years from now, uh, people will keep saying that to me. You just keep changing. I hope that I keep changing until the day I die. You guys, we want to keep changing. We want to keep growing. We want to keep going further and deeper into our growth. So um, anyway, I just want to be able to pass on the things that I'm learning since I've been out for so, not for so long, but I've been out now for over, for for three years, almost three years. And uh, I want to be able to pass on some of those things. And those things are really, how I describe it is that when, when you're first waking up to abuse, it's like you're a burn victim in a burn unit. And you're easily, you're easily triggered. Meaning that if someone barely touches you, your body, a burn victim is going to go through the roof in pain. And, and yet they're not going to be there for their whole lives. They will eventually heal. Eventually they'll be able to get out of that hospital bed and head down to the physical therapy room and start doing physical therapy. And then hopefully eventually after that, they'll be able to go to the gym and be able to work out. And some might even go on to become a marathon runner, okay, or whatever, a weightlifter, or and do so much more. So 
what I think about when I think about my new group called Flying Higher, which is not available to anyone right now other than the beta members that are in it right now. We're developing it together. They're kind of my guinea pigs. And what, what we're doing in there is we are actually in the workout room. So no longer are we um, worrying about triggers. We're, we've moved to the place where now we are going to do some serious self-development and it's going to be painful because exercise is painful. But if we want to grow and build our muscles and build our stamina and our energy, we need to do that painful work. And so that's what we're doing in Flying Higher. So if you, if you are listening and you don't even know what Flying Free is, you can find out more about that by just going to joinflyingfree.com. It's all there. Just read through. You can read reviews. You can read all about what it is, how much it costs a month, what's involved there. It is the best deal out there. There there is nothing I've seen. I've seen it all. I've seen what's available. There's nothing that offers as much value and as bang for your buck and transformational there's some really great things out there, but I am, I'm sorry, I'm partial to flying free. I've poured my life blood sweat into that group. And the results after three years are that hundreds of women have changed their lives. And I get emails every single day from women who say one of the most common things that they, two of the most common things that they say are number one, you saved my life, which I didn't. They saved their lives. They saved their lives. God saved their lives. But number two, that the value that they got out of being in flying free for one month was more than they got out of years of being in therapy. And I am not saying there's not a place for therapy because actually a lot of the women in flying free are also in therapy. It's two different things. But as far as the, uh, I was in therapy for many years And honestly, the things that I learned that I put into Flying Free were the things that changed me. So I took everything. I'm an avid reader. I take a lot of classes. I'm constantly learning, taking classes, reading. Self-development is like, that is my thing. And so I take what I learn and I take the most profound, the most life-changing things for my own life. And that's what I have to offer you in the Flying Free group. And now Flying Higher is going to take people even further. So Flying Free is like going from being a little caterpillar on the ground that is kind of confused and doesn't really know what's going on. And we take you through that chrysalis stage where you turn into total and utter goo. Very painful. And then the painful process of getting out of that chrysalis stage, having your wings dry, and then taking your first flight. And then flying higher, that group is all about just taking it to the next level, learning how to fly higher, learning how to find other butterflies who are flying higher, learning how to start a new, a new life for yourself. So anyway, that's just a little bit about that kind of a rabbit trail, but you can't be in flying higher. It's not available, but it will be available to the public in January of 2021. In the meantime, you can join flying free. And I suggest that you do. Because even if you do feel, even if you're already divorced and you feel like, oh, I don't need Flying Free, there are a lot of women in Flying Free that came to us 
as a divorced woman, and they have been profoundly changed through their time with us. So um, anyway, that's just a little bit about that. Um, what I what I offer what so that paradigm shift as far as like taking care of myself. That's one of the ways that you can stop throwing yourself under the bus is you can start taking care of yourself. You can start figuring out ways to nurture you, to grow you, to have you get stronger. You need to stop. It's great that you take care of everybody else and you want everyone else to be happy and that's all really all nice and good and sweet and wonderful, but... One of the reasons why we do that, if we're honest with ourselves, is because we know that if everyone else is happy, then we'll be happy. Or at least that's what we think. And that's just simply not true. Did you know that you can actually have a very peace-filled and joy-filled life even if everybody around you is unhappy and miserable in their lives? Even if your husband is miserable, you can actually be happy. Even if your kids are miserable, you can actually be happy. How do I know this? Well, just ask me how I know. <laughs> I've experienced this, you guys. I've experienced this. I have nine children. They're not all happy. They're all going through their own, their own journey, life's journey. Some of them are making choices that are causing some unrest in their lives. And that's kind of part of growing up. And I can, I hear a lot of moms who are just miserable because their kids are miserable. And it doesn't have to be that way. Does that mean that we don't love our kids if we're not drowning with them? No. But how can we help our kids if we're drowning with them? Our best bet at helping our children is by helping ourselves first, making sure that we're keeping our nose above the water so that we're breathing in oxygen. And then we can help our children, not by forcing them to get their heads above the water, but by modeling what that means and by loving them. So when we're breathing and when we're doing well and when we're healthy, that's going to spill over into the lives of the people around us because we are going to be filled up and that unconditional love that we have for ourselves it's going to spill over into unconditional love for other people. Have you ever noticed that the judgier we are about other people, we, we tend to be, the judgier that we are of ourselves, we tend to be very judgy of other people. All right? And you probably have noticed that. People that, there are people that, a lot of Christians are pretty judgy. But you know why? It's because they're very judgy of their own selves. They really have very high expectations for themselves. Does that mean that we don't want to have high standards or that, that we don't want, that we just want to, you know, like let all of life go to hell in a handbasket? Absolutely not. That, that's absolutely not. A lot of people will just, this is like a kid thing to do. I mean, how many of you have teenagers that said, oh, right, mom. So you say that. So does that mean you just want me to, you know, you just want me to die or something? You know how exaggerated they can be? Yeah. So let's not be like that. Okay. Our brains just want to go that way, don't they? I mean, they just want to go the way of the teenage brain. We all do that. Is this content resonating with you? I've written a book for women of faith and destructive relationships called Is It Me? Making Sense of Your Confusing Marriage, A Christian Woman's Guide to Hidden Emotional and Spiritual Abuse. 
You can read reviews and find out more about my book on Amazon.com. It comes in paperback, Kindle, and Audible formats. And new for 2020, I've created a companion workbook for Is It Me, also available on Amazon. This workbook is like 11 power-packed therapy sessions to help you process through the important material you'll be learning from my book. These books are recommended by counselors and therapists all over the United States. I've also got a website specifically focused on helping women of faith find hope and healing. It's called flyingfreenow.com. I'll even give you the first chapter of my book and the first chapter of my companion workbook for free when you hop on my mailing list at the top of my website. Those two resources are going to help you figure out if your relationship is normal or destructive. And now let's get back to our episode. So what I'm actually trying to say is that if we, the more that we accept ourselves just the way we are, instead of, you know, thinking that we have to be this ideal person and always striving to be this perfect ideal person, if we just accept that, you know what, sometimes we are good and sometimes we're not so good. We have really great thing, qualities about ourselves and we have not so great qualities about ourselves. And we can always learn and grow, but we're not ever going to be perfect. But um, it, it, when we have self-acceptance and we're not throwing ourselves under the bus all the time, you guys, that's when we can fully accept other people just the way they are with their problems and their warts and their little idiosyncrasies. And I just, I think that's really important. So another paradigm shift that I experienced was when I realized that it was actually okay for my husband and the church that I went to to be to have their own ideas about what it means to be a Christian. That it was okay for them to have their own belief system about who God is, what it means to be a Christian, and who I am and how I fit into all of that. They ha- could have their own belief system about divorce. They could have their own belief system about the role of women in the church and remarriage and submission and all of those controversial things. They got to decide for themselves their rules for their church and their, and their rules for their, you know, marriage relationships. They got to decide that for themselves. And guess What? I got to decide for myself. You see, I thought that I had to believe everything that everyone else believed. My word, how confusing is that? Because for every individual that's out there, there's always going to be a, a different set of beliefs. Because here's how I explain it to the people in my group. We all, ha- and maybe I've said it on this podcast, who knows, but we all have this universe between our ears. Everyone has their own universe, and everyone's universe is completely and totally different. And it's also managed by one person. Each universe is managed by one person, the person that that universe belongs to. Okay, now your universe is, this is not like woo woo new age stuff, okay? Um, your universe is your brain, all right? That's what we're talking about here. But I just like the analogy of the universe because the universe is so complex and there's all these, you know, like I'm just picturing all these planets and um, uh, galaxies and all the moons and 
all the stuff that's in outer space, okay? And all of that's in our brain. All of that's in a single cell. I just think creation is pretty incredible. But anyway, our universe, we have to manage it. And even within a single church, you know, even within a single church, every individual in that church has a different set of ideas and beliefs about all the little nuanced things that you could possibly come up with and think about when it comes to all of life. So when we, if we have this belief system that, oh my word, I have to believe what everyone else believes. I have to, you know, be a chameleon and just kind of mold myself into whoever is around, you know, whoever. Have you ever noticed that you act differently in some situations than in other situations? And have you ever, you know, like your family of origin, you just go right back to where, when you were a kid and you act the way you did then. And you, and your whole perspective, it's like, it's like you're in a, it's like you're back, you're just ba- right back there. Or then you go to church and then you act a different way there. Then you go to your high school reunion and you act a different way there. And have you ever felt like, my word, who am I? There's all these different versions of me. Which one is me? Well, actually, you're all of those things. Did you know that? You're, you're all of those things. But there also is a core part of you that's consistent. And you want to find out who that person is and what that person's core values are. And wouldn't it be nice if you could just live consistently all across the board? Well, that might mean that when you, you know, if you were just to truly live within your core, it might mean that when you go to your high school reunion, people don't, people will think, hmm, it's not the same person that I used to know. Or if you go to church, they might think, hmm, that's not the person that I recognize. Or you um, go to, to your family of origin for a spaghetti dinner at Thanksgiving, and they're like, hmm, this is not the person that... And everyone will put pressure on you to go back to being the person that they're used to you being. And you'll feel that pressure and you'll want to go back to that person. But so anyway, my whole goal in life, not not my whole goal, but one of my goals in life, I'm trying to be true to who I am, to who God made me to be. And that can be very challenging in different situations, but that's who I want to be. That's who I want to show up as. And when people, I've noticed that when I show up as that person, and there are some people who don't like that person, they, they want me to, to switch back to the person I was before, those people have discarded me. They don't want to have anything to do with me anymore. And guess what? That's perfectly okay. They don't have to like me. They don't have to want to be with me. They don't have to like what I believe. They don't have to like what I stand for. They don't have to like the decisions that I made. It's perfectly fine. It's all good. I can still love them from a distance. They won't let me love them up close, but I can still love them. I can still love myself and I can still have peace and joy in my life, even though these people don't want to have anything to do with me anymore. Isn't that awesome? You guys, that is available to all of us. Does that mean that I don't feel sad sometimes when I think about some of those losses? Of course I feel sad. I even cry sometimes. There's no, It doesn't mean that my feelings are all going to be, oh, life is just unicorns and daisies. That, no, of course not. I'm going to feel sad sometimes when I think about those things. But I also, even in the sadness, I do feel peace and I feel at rest. 
And I think that's available to all of us. That's what I, that's how I want to live my life. That's what I'm striving to live. Um, okay. So let's see. Oh, and I think the most healing thing that I, that I've done in the last few years is just basically to rewire my brain, to rewire the things that I, I've always believed. Because as I've written about in my book, Is It Me Making Sense of Your Perfect Marriage? I believed a lot of propaganda. And that propaganda was really, dist- it ended up being extremely destructive. And as I have basically taken down all of the things that I used to believe. And then, you know, it's kind of like a, I think I've described this before. It's like this, it's like a bomb went off on your house. And now you're sort of shifting, shifting, you're sifting through the rubble and you're picking up these different pieces and trying to figure out, okay, am I going to keep this or am I going to let this go? And, and pretty soon you find a few pieces out of the rubble that you really feel like, yeah, I want to keep these pieces. These are the things that I'm going to keep. The rest of it I'm going to let go and I'm going to start rebuilding with these core things that I'm going to keep. For me, one of the core things that I've decided to keep, and and this is what's so beautiful about it, is that it's purposeful. All right. I'm not just doing it because this has been pre-programmed into me by my parents or by my church or by anybody else. It's because I, as an adult, have purposefully chosen this piece to hang on to. And I've purposefully chosen to think thoughts that help me nurture and grow this piece. And the main piece that's my foundation is Jesus Christ. That's my foundation. That's what I've chosen to hang on to. Everything else I've let go of. Well, it's Jesus Christ. And then because the Bible says that God is love, love, the essence of love, that's God. Jesus Christ, who I believe was the son and is the son of God, he was God in the flesh. He is the essence of love. So I can look and I can read about his life. I can read about the way he treated people, different kinds of people, the kinds of things he said, what he taught, his actions. And by that, I can extrapolate into my own life how he, how love lives. And then I can say, that's the way I want to live. And you guys, Jesus didn't hang on to everybody. He didn't go chasing after people and begging people to stay with him. Oh, don't leave. I love you. I can change your life. No, 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 no. He just extended warm, loving invitation. And those who came entered into fellowship and relationship with him. And that, that invitation is extended throughout all of history, I believe, throughout all of eternity. That is an invitation that's extended to the human race. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I was going to talk a little bit about how I met my husband, my current husband. And I don't have any time. I think we're done. So I would like to tell that story sometime because it's a beautiful story. And God just did such a beautiful thing. Tom and I have been married for two and a half years now. Is he a perfect person? No, he's not perfect, but he is definitely not abusive. 
He's never abused me, ever, never. There were never any red flags when we were dating. And he has never done anything to hurt me. He has just simply loved me and just simply been. Tom is just authentically real. He's honest. He is what you see is what you get. I love that man. And I am so glad that God gave him to me. And I just, I, I just throw that out there because I'm feeling lots of love right now for him. And um, I was kind of looking forward to sharing my story with you, but I will have to save that for another time. So that's all I have for you today. I hope that this was helpful to you in some way. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I love all of you. I feel like I have a relationship with you, even though it's even though I haven't seen most of you. But there is a connection between you and me that I believe is spiritual and holy and beautiful and God-given and God-appointed and life-giving. And I want you to know that I feel that. I feel it, and I hope you feel it too. All right, that's all I have. Fly free!